I want to help us with something that I came aware of probably about 15 years ago, which is like the kind of ancient Christian practice called Lectio Divina. Uh, Lectio Divina, how's that for a name? Wow. I mean, it's got to be cool if the name is Lectio Divina, um, which simple is, is the Latin phrase for spiritual reading. Um, what Lectio Divina is, essentially, is the practice of reading to be changed by what you read. So, you know, there, there's this idea of reading where we read to acquire knowledge, you know, so like we want to know more, so we read books, um, where we want to, you know, find out information about something specific, so we go and find a book or, or a blog or, or some place where we can get that knowledge, um, and we read to acquire knowledge. What Lectio Divina was, was like this ancient kind of spiritual practice to try and safeguard the church from just uh, minimizing the scriptures to knowledge acquisition. Um, it, it was the practice of we want to engage with the scriptures deeply because we want to be changed by the scriptures. We don't just want to grow in knowledge. Um, it is, at its heart, the idea that we want to be mastered by the scriptures rather than master the scriptures, which is we want to be shaped by, like sit under the authority of the scriptures rather than us become geniuses or authorities over the scriptures. It is this idea of being changed by the text rather than just knowing the text, which really is a big thing. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a situation I have been before where you're sitting around with a group of people and man, they know the Bible. Like they just know it. They can quote it. They know the verses. They can just rattle it off. You're like, yo, what did these guys do? Like was their whole childhood growing up memorizing scripture and you're amazed by them. And then you see their lives and you're like just not amazed anymore. Um, because there's like a disconnect between the knowledge and the outworking of that knowledge. It's a disconnect between being able to memorize the scriptures, know the scriptures, and being able to live out the scriptures. What we want, what we really hope for, is that we wanna be formed by the scriptures. We, we don't just wanna know them, we want to be changed by them. Uh, we want to... As one person says, we want to read the scriptures to hear the voice of God and be transformed by its power. Uh, John 6 verse 63 says this, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. And I think like one of the things that we need to just remind ourselves of when we talk about Lectio Divina, when we're talking about this kind of practice, and we're going to get into some of the details uh, around this, is that the word is spiritual. Jesus um, is, is here. He's saying to them that the words that I've spoken to you, they are spirits and, and they are 
life, that the word is spiritual, which partly means we have to recognize our own limitation in just intellectual understanding of the scriptures. We have to recognize our own limits that yes, we should study them. Yes, we should try and memorize the scriptures, a really good and helpful practice. Yes, we should wrestle with them uh, and, and try and get a more rich, meaningful understanding of them. But there is a, a part of us that recognizes that the life of the scriptures comes from the Spirit. That as we allow ourselves to engage God by His Spirit, that's when the Word really comes to life. And that we don't want to get lost just in the practice of Bible reading. We want to engage God by His Holy Spirit. That all reading and thinking and praying and trying to live out the Scriptures happens in the environment of the Spirit of God with us, present, speaking, breathing on us. So, I mean, traditionally, the practices of, of Lectio Divina were like what they called the three steps, which was read, think, and pray. Um, and... Um, but over time, it's grown. And so I want to give us like five basic practices that I think would help us. And if, if you probably, I mean, there's a whole lot that you won't remember from, from this morning. But if you remember these five words, it will probably trigger and help your, your Bible reading going forward. And it's these five words. Stop, read, think, pray, live. And I'll go through each one of the five. Um, stop, read, think, pray, live, which is kind of like five practices around spiritual reading or just reading the scriptures. So practice one, stop, or in other words, pause, wait, slow down, disconnect. Um, Authentic spirituality, and I think this is something we have to remind ourselves, is authentic spirituality is always a slow, intentional process. It just doesn't happen on the run. It just doesn't happen magically, like while we are driving, listening to podcasts and going from thing to thing to thing and never stopping. Authentic spirituality is a slow and intentional process. It is the slow, determined pursuit of becoming more like Jesus day by day, week by week, year by year. Which means that at some point, this requires us to stop. Um, sometimes our Bible reading happens like this, especially now, because I don't know about you, but like I've got a few audio Bibles on my phone. And often it's much easier to listen to the Bible driving from one place to another than to read it. I don't, you know, maybe that, or uh, you can be like one person I know who would fall asleep to the audio Bible playing. I don't know what that means about anything, but you know, like sometimes, like we we can try to 
because our lives are so busy and in our kind of like world and in our kind of time, we've like idolized productivity. We want to be productive. We want to be successful. And that requires us to go, 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 do things, accomplish things, tick off checklists, you know, all these kind of things. And so now like someone says to you, hey, you know what? If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you should read the Bible. So now you're like, yo, how's that going to fit into my already busy, hectic day? So now you're like, well, I'm driving and I was listening to a podcast so now I'm just going to put on some Bible reading, but not a lot because I still want to listen to my podcast. So I'm just going to listen to a little bit or I'm going to have it playing in the background while I'm falling asleep or like whatever. Like we can, we can try and read the scripture or put the scriptures into a part of our life that we're just fitting it in, in the midst of the, our busyness. We basically are just in the speed of our lives and in the busyness of our lives and in this ongoing pursuit of doing stuff and accomplishing things. We just basically fit Bible reading into any gap that we have. But if we want to take the scriptures seriously, it requires us to actually slow down. We need to find some margin, some space, some gap in our lives to go deeper. Um, What's What's amazing is uh, Jesus, who was doing incredibly good work. I mean, think of Jesus. He's doing amazing work. He's preaching the gospel. He's healing people. He's feeding 5,000. He's walking. I mean, he's doing so many great things. He's raising the dead. I mean, Jesus is crushing it at ministry and life. And yet, in Luke 5, 16, it, it talks about that Jesus would often withdraw from people to lonely places and pray. So in the midst of all the busyness that he's doing, in the midst of everything that, I mean, he's doing so many good things that you think he could justify not doing that. You're like, oh, Jesus, like, you know, you're crushing it there. You're feeding 5,000. You're healing people. Someone brings their child who's dead. You raise him to life. This person's sick. You heal that person. I, like, he is just doing all that you kind of would hope to do in ministry. And yet he still is deliberately finding margin in his life, stopping, taking time, finding time aside, going to a place where he won't be bothered. He is deliberately stopping from the busyness and the demand of the day to engage with God. If we really want to engage with the scriptures, if we want to be transformed by them, then we need to stop. Sometimes that means turning off our phones. Sometimes that means finding a place where someone won't bother us. Sometimes that means waking up early. Sometimes that means just making space in your day that you can deliberately spend time reading the scriptures. I remember listening to a Carrie Newoff podcast where uh, in the podcast they talk about some research that was done um, uh, about guys in ministry and um, one of the things they, they were trying to track was 
people who lasted a long time without burning out and people that didn't. And they're trying to track the reasons. And one of the most common reasons they found was this, was that people who tended to be able to go for a long time doing something well was people who prioritized making sure that their input didn't, uh, that their output didn't exceed their input. So they deliberately made time to read, to rest, to uh, stop, to slow down, so that when the output came, it didn't burn them out. Lectio Divina, part of this deliberate process, is stopping, finding a gap. Uh, if you grew up in the kind of charismatic world that I grew up in, then we would have called that a quiet time. Don't know what's, uh, what's in some of your traditions would have been called, but a quiet time, which I never understood because we were charismatic. No one was ever quiet in their prayer times, but a quiet time, which was like a deliberate moment in your day where you would stop, read, and pray. Um, and, uh, um, but some people practice Sabbath, which is taking one day a week where they deliberately stop, don't do any work, um, and they use that work to enjoy God, people, and his creation. So it's deliberately creating space within your timetable to engage with God. I guess part of the question then for us in this practice is what do we, like do we need to stop to read the scriptures? Are we a little too busy? Are we just reading the scriptures on the run, if we want to be changed by God's word, um, then we need to find the margin uh, to to allow it to work itself deeply into us. The second one is stop as read. Now, read is the most obvious one because it is called spiritual reading, lectio divina. So, at some point, you would have to read. Um, but I don't know if you've ever been like this, like. This happens to me, especially if you read the Bible first thing in the morning. So, um, like me, sometimes wake up early, wake up before the family and the kids. You get up, you're like, I'm going to read the Bible. And you're just tired. You're like so tired. So you sit there and you've read something. You know you've read it because you're like now have no idea what you've just read. Um, so... If that's ever happened to you, that happens to, to me often. I get to the end of a chapter and I'll be like, what did Jesus just do? Where did he go? Like, no clue. And then I have to read it again. Um, but sometimes what, what happens is that when we read the scriptures, we read them, like I said, with that same kind of like purposeful intent. I need to get through this. I've got my year read the Bible in a year, Bible reading plan. I need to get through it. I need to read these three or four chapters a day. And, and our intention is more to accomplish 
the, the fact of reading than to be changed by the reading. So we wake up, we do that, we get to the end of it, we're like, oh, what did we just read? Have no idea, clueless. And like I said, that's happened to me so many times, so don't feel bad if, if it's happened to you. But we, we just like doing the checkoff list. Jamie, did you have your quiet time today? Yes. Do you know what you read? No, can't remember. Well, I do because I've ticked off the verses on the side, but I have no idea what they were about. Like, you know, you know sometimes that's how we approach the reading of the scriptures. It's another thing to do, another thing to accomplish, another chapter to get through so that we can make our way through um, the, the Bible. But what Lectio Divina is about is not reading, like we said, it's not reading to accomplish something. It's not reading to just tick off the checklist of we have done this year, read the Bible in a year, reading plan. It's reading to listen to God speaking to us through the scriptures. It's reading to be changed by God in the scriptures. It's a slow kind of reading. It's, I wrote here, it's, it's not, it's, what we want to avoid is the kind of reading that approaches the scriptures like a math problem, like something that we can solve, but rather the slow kind of scriptures where we're listening to God speaking through the text. So how do we go about it? Um, I've just got five points here of how, how we can try and do that. Number one is choose a passage that you wanna read. Um, for, for some of us, like I said, we'll have a reading plan. Um, I, I would recommend, I think reading plans are really helpful in getting through the scriptures. Otherwise, what we end up doing is we end up just reading the parts that, that we like. So what a reading plan does is it deliberately helps us to read through the whole Bible. And I think that uh, we should all try and read through the whole Bible at some point. But what, what, you, what you wanna do, and I would say you wanna try and do this at least once a week, is take one passage of scripture that you are going to really think through. You're gonna go through slowly. You're not gonna rush through it. It may be one parable of Jesus. It may be one cha chapter uh, of one of Paul's letters. It may be one of the Psalms. Um, it may be one particular story in, in the history books, such as um, you know Joseph and Potiphar's house or, or something like that. Take one passage. Select that passage beforehand so that you know that that's, you don't spend your whole time that you're stopping to read just trying to find a passage. Select that passage bef beforehand and then read it. But read it slowly. Read it multiple times. Um, I've said here, yeah, pay attention to the words, the phrases, the sentences that stand out to you. Um, write down any questions that come to, to mind. Notice the metaphors, notice the rhythm of the text, notice the context. Read through it over and over again. Read through it slowly. Don't just take that parable that you're pondering over, read it and close the Bible and I'm done. Read through it, read through it again. If there's something you're struggling with, just read through it again. 
and then do the three P's of Bible reading, which I call the three P's of Bible reading, which is pause, ponder, and pray. So as you're reading through, stop, pause, ponder, and pray. Read, think, pray. Um, and we'll get more to the thinking bit now. And then read again. Read through the text again slowly, slowly, deliberately, reading every word. I don't know if some of you do this, but sometimes we even speed read the Bible. And like speed reading, what you do is like you miss words. So, so when you're speed reading, you miss some words just so that you can get the gist of the whole sentence, but you can go through it really fast. We don't want to do that. You want to read every word in the scriptures. Um, you want to read them deliberately and slowly. And then what I find is helpful is to have a notebook and start to write down things that you're thinking, things that come to mind while reading the text, things that stand out. You may even, while reading the text deliberately and slowly, at some point, you may feel like there's something really burdening you from the text, that God is speaking to you through his word, that something in his word is really challenging you. Um, and then that's really helpful as we think about the think, uh, you know, think, pray, live part. Just a few scriptures on, on Bible reading. John 17 verse 17 says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Psalm 119 verse nine says this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Do not, Romans 12 verse two says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Deuteronomy 11 verse 18 to 20 says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames and on your houses and on your gates. Like one of the things that you see over and over the scriptures from the start to the end is this belief amongst God's people that God's words are integral to our growth. That's why they take them seriously. I mean, how serious is, is this? Fix these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbol on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Like Moses, who wrote Deuteronomy, is taking this really, really seriously. Christians have always been known as people of the book. It's the reason why throughout church history, Many people have been martyred, have shed their blood uh, for keeping the scriptures intact, for um, making sure that the scriptures can get to God's people because God's people have always believed that we are people who are shaped by this text. We are people of 
the book. This book is absolutely important to our spiritual growth. I'll try to rush through the next few points. Think. Uh, the practice of thinking, or in the language of Scripture, which is the word meditate, meditate on the Scriptures. And when, when the Bible's talking about meditate, it's not talking about um, a spiritual practice of emptying our minds. It's talking about the spiritual discipline of filling our minds with uh, God's Word. Uh, in Eugene Peterson's book, Eat This Book, he makes this really interesting um, um, connection. He says in Isaiah 31, 4, it, it talks about a lion that growls over its prey. This lion that growls over the, its, its prey. And that word growl is the word hugger, the Hebrew word hugger. And the word hugger is the Hebrew word for meditate, for meditate. And he says, uh, Eugene Peterson goes on to say, is that this idea of hugger this idea of meditate is not just this idea, it's not this idea of trying to empty ourselves, it's this idea of savoring something. So like a lion that is savoring this, uh, he talks about his dog, like, like this low growl of his dog over its bone that it's got, you know, waiting to chew on this bone. This lion that's got its prey that it's about to eat or or for you and I, because that's not what we're going to do. Uh, for us, it, it may be like that, that feeling of when you've got a piece of Lindt chocolate that's like melting on your tongue, you know, that you're savoring every part of it. Or someone that drinks coffee like really slowly and just wants to savor all the, the you know, the, the flavors. It's, it's this idea that meditate is this like, this chewing over the savoring, this really enjoying uh, something. And that's what we do when we think. Thinking is the discipline of disciplining ourselves to enjoy the text, to savor it, to uh, chew over it, to fuss through it. We, we stop, we read, but now that we've read, we want to like really engage with it. Um, and, and for me, sometimes what that looks like is I've read a whole text, I've read a whole passage, but one particular verse sticks out in that passage. And now it's just going through that verse over and over again. It's uh, savoring it, it's thinking through it, it's asking questions of it, it's praying through it. It's like, wow, this verse is really sticking out to me. What does this mean? Like, how does this apply to this? What, well, what am I gonna do about this? Why, is it, why am I feeling so challenged by this text? Like, I feel uncomfortable uh, now. I don't know if you've ever read the scriptures and you felt really uncomfortable. If you haven't, you really need to, because you should feel uncomfortable. The Bible should make us feel really uncomfortable uh, at times. And um, so, and ever ask yourself, like, why am I feeling uncomfortable? And then just chewing through that, why am I feeling this? Is there something I'm not doing? Is there something I should be doing? Uh, it's asking those questions, it's engaging with it, it's thinking through it, it's allowing ourselves to really, really wrestle with the 
the text, the verse, the passage that has stood out to us in our reading time. Psalm 1 verse 2 says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the righteous man. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates all day and all night. Now, I don't think that we should, I don't think that the scripture here is telling us to meditate on the, you know, the scripture all day and all night. Like, you're like, how am I gonna do my job? Like, do I need to give up my job? I'm gonna become like a Gregorian monk and like chant the scriptures and, you know, um, like, I don't think that's what the scriptures is saying. But I think what happens uh, and, and we'll talk about this in prayer as well, but what happens when you really start wrestling with and meditating on the scriptures and you really start engaging with the scriptures, what you find is that the scriptures start shaping your thinking. They start shaping your, your thinking about life and the world. And so they stop shaping how you think day and night. And you find that some of the things that you have read today or tomorrow or next week or, or a month ago or three months ago begin to pop up over and over in your day. Things that you've meditated on that begin to shape how you live and do life. I don't know if you've ever been in uh, an occasion, it's happened to me a few times, where like, you know, something you read three months ago, you ponder about it kind of like just, you know, felt like it, you pondered about it and then it was gone. But then like three months down the line, something happens and it's like, boom, it's like an explosion goes off and all of a sudden you're like, that's what it means. Like, that's what God is saying to me. Like, that's what I need to adjust. That's what I need to change. It's, it's this as you begin to really engage with the scriptures and meditate on them day and night, as you fuss through them, you find yourself over and over, they keep coming back. It's uh, as one uh, theologian says, what happens is as we allow the language of the scriptures to inform how we see the world, we start thinking scripturally so that day and day uh, day after day, night after night, we find that the world of the scripture starts informing how we see the world that we live in. Pray. Prayer is where our relationship with God really gets real. Um, any relationship requires dialogue and conversation. You just can't have a, a relationship without any form of meaningful dialogue or conversation. It's just, you know, we, we, that is how we engage relationally with people. And so, our relationship with God also needs to be a dialogue. What we see in the reading of scriptures, we see God speaking to us. We've stopped to allow God to speak. We've read his word We've fussed through it, we've thought, we've meditated, we've savored his word. And now prayer is our response of engaging with God in 
dialogue. And that response can be petition, it can be gratitude, it can be lament, it can be praise. Uh, it's, it can, it's, it's not just like, hey, I've read this scripture, now, Lord, may you help my hurting knee. Like, you know, sometimes you need to pray that prayer. But, but it is engaging with God in his dialogue, like in his conversation. It is what is the text saying to us and what do we need to say back to God? How do we need to respond? And that response can be petition. The, the, the text is calling us to ask God for something. It can be gratitude. The text is revealing to us something of God's generosity to us, his grace to us. And so our response is gratitude. It could be lament. The text is helping us see the brokenness and the injustice in society. And so the response is lament. It could be praise. The text is opening us up to the greatness of God. And so our response in prayer is praise. Why prayer is so important is because prayer stops us from allowing the Bible to just degenerate into some depersonalized set of ideas. Like, I don't know if you've seen on the back of people's cars sometimes, they have like bumper sticker verses, you know? Like, or, or we, we use some verses, you know, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're like, we love those. We love like, kind of like the catchphrase spiritual Christianity, you know, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, God helps those who help themselves. No, that's not in the Bible. It's not. It's nowhere in the Bible. Please don't ever quote that as scripture. Um, but like we, we often do that. You see Psalm 91, like this car is protected by angels. Like that is my worst stuff because I hate it because what we do is we depersonalize the scriptures into these catchphrases, into these phrases of like, if I just say this, if I just kind of believe it, like everything's gonna go all right with me. Like instead of realizing that the scriptures are always calling us into relationship with God. They're calling us to engage with God. There's God speaking to us and us engaging back with Him. What prayer does is it helps us to to resist this kind of like depersonalized Christianity where we just go from slot machine prayer to slot machine prayer, where we just live from catchphrase to catchphrase. We want to stop ourselves from living in that kind of way. We want a Christianity that is deeply engaged with God. And to do that, we can't just read the scriptures. We need to engage with God in dialogue through the scriptures. Um, just two thoughts on how you can pray when reading the scriptures. Number one is ask yourselves what kind of emotions have been stirred as you read the passage. Have we been touched by God's kindness and want to show gratitude? Or have you been stirred with passion for what, is, what God is doing and want to pray, uh, petition God to keep doing that? Do we feel grieved at the state of the world or our own sin and so need to repent 
or lament? Or do we feel in awe of God's greatness and need to respond in praise? Ask yourself, as you're wrestling through the scriptures, like what kind of emotions do you find yourself feeling? And then allow your dialogue to engage with God in that. And then the second thing is, I found this helpful, is sometimes you don't know what to pray. Like, words fail you sometimes. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like, you start praying, and 30 seconds in, all your words are gone. You're like, ah, got nothing left. What I found really helpful is to pray back the scriptures, um, to just go through it. Think of that um, um, Psalm 1 verse 2, where it talks about uh, this man who, who will meditate on God's word day and night. And, uh, you know, so Psalm 1 is just this incredible picture of the, the righteous man, the blessed man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. And then just, just begin to pray, just the scriptures, Lord, help me not to stand in the way of sinners. Help me, Lord, not to sit in the seat of, of scoffers, Lord. Help me to delight in your law. Sometimes I don't feel like I delight in your scriptures. I get bored. Like just allow that honesty the, the text, the honesty of it to just come out. Just use the text to inform your prayers when you don't know what to pray. Um, prayer reminds us that, the, that reading the Bible is a relational act. It's not an academic act. It reminds us that reading the scriptures is us engaging with God. And now we get to the final practice, live. Sorry, I know this has been long. So we said at the beginning that the Lectio Divina is the practice of reading to be changed what you're reading instead of just acquiring knowledge. So it is this idea that we don't just read and pray, we begin to live it out. We begin to live it out. Um, it's, it's the word being made flesh in us. Uh, you know, that beautiful analogy talking about Jesus, the word became flesh. Like in our own lives, we live out this, like we want the word to become flesh, that the things we've read and thought about and prayed through become uh, part of how we live. They find their way into our living, into our attitudes, into our actions. And how does that happen? Well, it happens both actively, deliberately, and subversively. So how do we live out the scriptures? It happens deliberately when we pay attention to the scriptures. You see, the scriptures act like a mirror, James says. They act like a mirror. When you read the scriptures, they begin to reflect who you are in them. And you find yourself often in a place where you need to respond to them by 
changing your life in some way. You need to respond by doing something. So, you know, the scriptures may talk about forgiveness and it's acting like a mirror highlighting in some sense a particular area in your life where maybe you need to forgive. And then how do we begin to live out the scriptures? By deliberately practicing the things that are highlighted to us. I remember once I I went on this transformational leadership course and uh, it's about this guy, he's got a very, I don't know, like practical way of doing things and that. And I I was there with a friend of mine, he also uh, owns a business and um, and we go through this course and I I like it because my problem, my problem is I love ideas, the living out of ideas is the hard part, but I really love ideas, you know, so like I can be a bit academic sometimes, I like fussing through ideas and thoughts and that, so I really enjoyed the course, I thought it was great. Three months down the line, I'm like, we're in a problem with our business, I need some help, so I phone him up, I'm like, Wayne, I need some help, I'm in trouble. He's like, Jamie, you went to Transformational Leaders, I'm like, what does that mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, just go to page like 10, and I'm like, yeah, do that. It will solve your problem. I'm like, what do you mean do that? I didn't think of ever going through the book again. Like for me, it was just ideas to think about it. And I love the ideas. For him, he put them into practice and he's done really well and his business has done really well. And it really like taught me a lesson. Like sometimes what we need to do is just Put those things into practice. What is God speaking to you about? Maybe it's about generosity. Maybe it's about um, hospitality. Maybe it's about forgiveness. Uh, Maybe it's about your attitude towards some things. Maybe it's about the fact that you're a bit legalistic and need to find grace. Like whatever it may be, as those things come to your attention, begin to deliberately put them in practice to practice. We did that two weeks ago. We fasted. Like we deliberately put something into practice. It was hard. It was difficult. Um, I don't know if anyone found it really easy, but it, like, it was really difficult, you know, at times. But like we want to respond. We want to put some things into practice. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, it, but we want to be deliberate. And the second way we live out the scriptures is subversively, which is, and unconsciously, which is as you begin to meditate on the scriptures and it changes how you think about the world, without you even knowing it, it changes how you live in the world. Your worldview shapes how you live in the world. We just have to think about South Africa 30 years ago, South Africa 40 years ago, how many Christians lived in a worldview of apartheid and it didn't, res- it didn't shape how they lived. It didn't, like how many Christians went day after day without feeling the, the pain of injustice. As the worldview changed, it changed how they began to live and how they began to see things. We don't need to just allow the events of the world to change our worldview. We need to allow the scriptures to change our worldview. We don't just need to allow things to happen in the world to all of a sudden change how we think and live. We need to allow our meditation on the scriptures to change how we think and live.
And as you stop, you read, you think, you pray. God begins to shape how you act and live. One last verse and then we'll close. Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, probably the the greatest sermon of all time as theologians say, the Sermon on the Mount, this massive sermon of Jesus where he says things like the Beatitudes and he calls people out on their morals and he talks about hypocritical kind of practices and um, you know talks about the golden rule, do unto others um, as you want them to do to you. You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount goes through some of these really, really big things. And then he ends the Sermon on the Mount with a parable. And the parable starts with this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount saying this essentially, that all of what I've said will be meaningless to you unless you go out and live it. Uh, I grew up in the Salty era. era. I don't know if anyone else knows Salty. Remember the Singing Blue songbook? Don't build your house on a sandy bank. Loved that song. Loved it. Did I listen to it as a kid? Probably never. Just loved the tune. I was like, don't build it in yeah, the shore. You know, you, like I loved Salty. Salty was the best. We had a tape and make my parents put it in and play it um, when I, I was growing up. Um, but this is Jesus finishing the most profound sermon of all time, as some theologians say. Gandhi, who was not a Christian, said this, that the Sermon on the Mount is the most profound piece of literature in all the world. Like the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends with this, that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But the one who doesn't put them into practice is like a fool that builds his house on the sand, that when the waves come and the winds blow, their life just falls apart. Lectio Divina is this practice of us engaging with the scripture to be changed by them. It's not just reading to accomplish something. It's not just reading because your pastor's told you that's what you should do. It's not just reading the Bible just because we know we we should do it sometime in our lives. It's actually allowing ourselves to stop and listen and wrestle with and dialogue and be changed. God wants to change all of us. He wants to shape our lives. He wants to change our worldview. He wants to change how we live. He ultimately wants all of us to live like Jesus, to become like Jesus in our attitudes and actions. And that happens as we wrestle with God's word. So in 20... 
23. Um, I know we're gonna be going through things like Mark and through our vision series and things like that. But in 2023, can I encourage you, take time to read the Bible. Like, don't just leave it to the time in the week when someone's gonna get up here and read the scriptures. Take time to read the Bible. And when you do, take some deliberate time to stop, to read, to think through what you've read, to pray and dialogue with God through what you read, and then to deliberately and also subversively begin to live it out. Can I pray? Father, thank you for your word that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, that over 2,000 years, over four, 6,000 years, Lord, uh, the people of God have always been shaped by your words, that you have spoken and your people respond. You have spoken and your people have shaped their lives around that. You have spoken and your people have been moved by your words. And I thank you, Lord, that today, here, more accessible than ever on our phones, um, in our hands and in all the many different Bibles that we have, we have your word, you speaking to us. And I pray, Lord, for all of us this year, that you would help us to wrestle with, to engage with the scriptures, to engage with them meaningfully and to be changed by them. In Jesus' name, amen.